Psalm 95. Turn to Psalm 95 this morning. We'll return back to thinking about God's design and making them female next week, Lord willing. But in light of the events yesterday in uh, the singing on the top of the mountain there at Mount Magazine that Friendship Church hosted and many of us took part in, I want us to think about singing today for worship. Psalm 95. O come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before His presence with thanksgiving and make a joyful noise unto Him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God and a great King above all gods. In His hand are the deep places of the earth. The strength of the hills is His also. The sea is His, and He made it. And His hands formed the dry land. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. For He is our God. And we are the people of His pasture and the sheep of His hand. Today, if you will hear His voice, harden not your heart as in the provocation and as in the day of temptation in the wilderness. When your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my work, forty years long was I grieved with this generation and said, It is a people that do err in their heart, and they have not known my ways, unto whom I swear in my wrath that they should not enter Into my rest. Notice that this psalm is is broken down. It begins with a call. There's a call to worship. There's a call to sing. There's a call to come before the Lord with thanksgiving. To make a joyful noise and a joyful call unto Him with psalms. There's also a call later in the passage in verse 6, to come and to worship, to bow down, to go further than that, to kneel before the Lord. There's a reminder of who we are. We are His people. We are the sheep of His pasture. And then there's a warning. It's really part of the call. It's, It's do this so that you won't. So kneel before the Lord, bow down before Him. Come to Him with thanksgiving, sing of His goodness, sing that He's a King, sing to the One who's a rock, be filled with joy and make a joyful noise, or else your heart will be hardened. Another way to look at this, this, uh, this warning would be this way. Sing to Him when your heart is hardened, so that your heart will no longer be hardened. Worship Him so that your heart will be softened. It works both ways. There's a call here. And then in the middle of the psalm, there's just some statements. There's some fact statements. He's not, he's not arguing this. He's not proffering this as a suggestion. He's just saying some facts. The Lord is a great God. 
He is a great king above all gods. This is true. In his hands are the deep places of the earth. The strength of the hills is his. The sea belongs to him. He's a rich man. The sea belongs to him. And this is why? Because he made it. He hath formed the dry land. So he's not just a navy man. He's also a man of the land. He owns it all. And the response to that, of course, is, so come. Don't draw away from Him. You know, when, they had a, uh, when, the, when the Lord showed Himself in His glory at Mount Sinai, the response was to move away. To run. He's too holy. He's too glorious. We are sinful. We are not like Him. And so let's move away from Him or we'll be burned. This is a different call, isn't it? Because He is this great King. Because He is the Lord Majestic Draw near to Him. Come to Him. But come to Him in a bowed position. Come to Him acknowledging who He is. Come to Him with joy. Come to Him on your knees. Come to Him with sound. Because He is this great God. Let me just try to describe a few my observations. I'm not as, I'm not as um, poetic as many are. But just let me just show you quickly just... What I observed yesterday on the top of the mountain there at Mount Magazine, it was a chilly day, a fall day, a crisp day that was also, the sun was shining brightly, so it was a beautiful day. What a glorious trip on the way. We, had, we were, um, I say that I was in the driver's seat, so I wasn't crammed packed, but, but we had uh, eight guys in my vehicle, um, crammed packed in there, and we had a wonderful time on the way there. Just a discussion of real things of life, some of it was a little bit sobering. Um, and, and, but it was, a, it was a great time. It was an anticipatory time for me um, and just a great time to spend quality time with young men in our congregation. I was thrilled to do that. I hope you were thrilled as well. Um, and, and then we got there, and, and so the setting there is, it's not the t- tallest mountain in the world, but it's a mountain. So you're sitting on this rock. It's this amphitheater that looks out over um, the valley below for many for some of you that's not a big deal for me it's a huge deal we don't get to see that here very often do we um, our, our vision is limited by a lot of trees we're down on the ground our vision is limited by buildings um, and so we don't get to see just a huge panoramic view very often but that was a big panoramic view not only below you but above you for some some for some for some reason um, not just, uh, maybe because we were so elevated, it wasn't just the below part that caught my attention, it was the above part that caught my attention. Um, so you just have this huge expanse of sky above you, and then below you, uh, this, 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 this land, trees and farms and water towers and just things that you can, you can distinguish between. So let me share with you the above for a minute. The above, we took note of, it, it reminded me of the realities of life. I'm not, I'm not an ornithologist, I don't know a lot about birds, but somebody said that, that there were some birds that were, that were flying just above us, maybe 30, 40, 50 feet above us. Um, somebody said they were buzzards. Um, they still look majestic at the time. Uh, somebody, somebody mentioned the, the sweet pinions of a dove the, from, uh, uh, what's the song, um, Sweet Rivers, right? So those sweet pinions of a, of, a, of a buzzard were still pretty neat. And that's how but it was a reminder, it was a reminder that, um, that, hey, we are here, we are bringing glory to God, there's a great king above all gods, and there is a really 
corrupt earth that has come about because of the fall. So there's death below somewhere. So as you, as you, look, as you look down into, the, into this scene that seems so restful and peaceful in the moment, just know that somewhere down there is some death, there's some decay, there's some corruption. But it's a, it's a blessing to be removed from that for a moment, isn't there? Isn't it? To be removed from the death. And by the way, there was some discussion on the way back. Some people think that wasn't a buzzard at all, so we'll, just, we'll figure that out later. I don't know. But if it was, if it was, there was some death below, somewhere below us. But it's nice to be removed one level from that, isn't it? Just for a little while. So yes, there is some corruption, but I don't know what it is. There's also some glory right here. But then later, as you looked up, was really, really, really amazing. I, I, I don't know the distance, but I would say way. <laughs> so way, way, way higher than whatever those opinions were of the, of the buzzard, way higher than soaring levels and levels and levels, almost to a level that you couldn't see at moments, was a beautiful bald eagle. That was, that was moving to me. So soaring, here's this hovering, but soaring above is this eagle. We're reminded of Isaiah 40, those who wait upon the Lord. Shall what? Shall find their strength renewed. So those whose eyes are upon the Lord shall find their strength renewed. They shall, what? Mount up. Just barely hovering over. No, they will soar. They will mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. So there's this strength, this power, this majesty that's found in the Lord. And for those who are looking to Him, those who are waiting upon Him, those who are joying in Him... Soar. Now, I, I, don't mean, I don't mean that we always experience um, and feel this soaring, but this is the reality. Brothers and sisters, if you are enabled by God's grace to walk by faith and not by sight, let me tell you, you are soaring above the fray. If you are enabled to say no to temptation, you are soaring above the fray. If you are able to, if you are able to endure as the outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is still trusting in Christ and looking to Him and hoping for eternity, you are soaring above the fray. Hallelujah. Because the Lord God omnipotent reigneth, because He's a King above all gods, because He made all this stuff, He made us, He is able to keep us and to, well, here's what Jude says, now unto Him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you Faultless Is that soaring enough? To present you faultless before the presence of His glory with what? Exceeding joy. That's the King above all gods. So what's the response? Let me just read it. Make sure I don't mess it up. Jude is the very back of your Bibles. It's the very last verse of Jude. And to Him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of His glory with exceeding joy. Here's a response. To the only wise God. There's only one. There's only one who has the treasures of wisdom and knowledge that are bound in His being to the only wise God, our Savior. Be what? Be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. So that is the God who's above all gods. And the response that you heard in Jude, what God has designed us to be, we are creatures of worship. So God has designed us to 
respond to demonstrate His glory and majesty and dominion and power in many ways. But one of the primary ways that God has given us to do that is through singing. Singing. Singing is more than, and it's a mysterious thing in some ways, but it's more than just um, saying. It's it's far more than just thinking. It's far more than just acknowledging in our hearts. It is a vulnerable thing in many ways to open your mouth and let something come out that's not natural to how you normally speak, but it's this melodic thing that, that, that... that, that, that is a product of a lot of different air movement across your vocal cords and things I don't know about. But it's vulnerable in a way, isn't it? And it is the expression of the heart. That is, is, that is a, a way to express the heart and the glory of God in a way that just mere words, just mere saying, just won't do it. That's God's design. Oh, come, let us worship. But that was the above. The below was... Well, for me, it was this. It was just that, um, really two things. I'll, I'll, I'll mention there's many that you can talk about. But for me, it was this. Just, just rising above just puts things in perspective, doesn't it? Um, you're able to make sense of a really big scene in a way that would be impossible on the ground. On the ground, of course, you're blocked. You're blocked by trees. You're blocked by houses. You're blocked by people. You're blocked by perspective. You're blocked by... Some of you are really good at direction. I couldn't tell you east from west at at 5 o'clock probably. Um, But I am able to from above. I can make sense of tracts of land and activities over here. I can see where my placement is and where things belong. And it makes sense in a way when you're far above that it doesn't when you're on the ground. There's a great need for us to come to this above perspective. The perspective where God reigns. The perspective that God has. Things make sense. The other thing I would just say is, in that moment, it is far easier to say, I'm pretty small. I'm really small. But there is clearly one who is really big. If he sits from this perch all the time, this is the way he sees life, this is the way he thinks I've said this many times to you before from an airplane height, this is a little bit closer. The other big thing I would notice is that it's just very peaceful from above, isn't it? There's some movement that you can detect, but there's not a ton of movement. Things are in their place. And friends, let me just say this. Things are in their place. Now, they're also misplaced in some ways right now. But don't think for a moment that the Lord Jehovah is not reigning this is the great hope of Christianity. This is the great gospel of Christianity is that Jesus Christ went to the cross and he died and then he rose again from the grave on the third day and then, the, then that he ascended up into the heavens and 1 Corinthians 15 says that he now is ruling over all and he will rule over all until all enemies have been placed under his feet. And when all enemies have been placed under his feet, then he will what present the kingdom to the Father and we shall reign with Him in glory forever and ever. That's what's going to happen. It's very difficult to see that's what's going to happen when you're down on the ground, isn't it? But from above, it's not not hard to see. It's clear from above. So, oh, listen. (laughs) Some of you could say, listen, I've lived on a mountain forever, and I, I forget that. So I don't see that every day. 
And so it's not just sitting on a mountain that's a magic spot to see that. It's the eye of faith that must be stirred to see that and to believe that and to live that way. And God has designed singing, worship, as one of the ways to stir our hearts, to connect with our eye of faith, to see things as they are. That we may live in obedience and joy. Does that make sense to you? That's how it works. In fact, fact, again, that's what he's saying. There's a call. Come. Let's do this. Let's bow down. Let's kneel. And by the way, it's not a kneeling where you're forced to kneel. I think Philippians 2 is going to have a lot of forced kneelings. Now, by force, I just mean that the force of its presence is going to cause people who are rebels against him to bow the knee, saying, I've lost. You're the victor in the last day. Philippians 2 says, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. I'm talking about something different. I'm talking about when you can see Him as He is, there's no force. You bow down on your knees. There is a joy in bowing down. There is a compulsion to bow down. We are compelled and we are delighted to bow down before Him when we can see Him as He is. And again, singing worship is part of God's design to help us do that. And so it really is true. It really is true that worship, as He says in the last part of this psalm, is a barometer of our souls. Let's say that again. Worship and how we worship and how willing we are when we worship. Worship is a barometer of our soul. So part of the message today is, is where is your soul? Where's your heart? And part of the answer to that is, is going to be in how are you worshiping? I don't mean are you giddy. At the same time, this was occurring. There's a weird juxtaposition going on there. We're catching news as we are driving in the last few minutes, catching news that there's a war that's broken out in Israel. We're catching news that there are, was it 30, 50 American citizens that are hostages right now over there. That's alarming. Somebody asked for prayer that had some personal friends that are over there and scared to death. And that's alarming stuff. <laughs> we get back in the vehicle. I'll get my phone. And there's a series of text messages that an acquaintance has just experienced a terrible tragedy. A father, five sons, in the great health, has a heart attack in the water at Patriot Lake yesterday at Shelby Farms. It's just, just, your mind's reeling. And so it's not just a giddy praise we're talking about. It's not something light, but it is something real. Let, Let me just talk about, for a few minutes, about the soul the soul's barometer in worship. It was very interesting to me. You know how this goes. You, you, I'm, not, I'm not saying how this happened, but the, the, the flyer that we had on our, our front thing for this singing had two scripture references. One was Isaiah 42, I think, verse 11. The other was Isaiah 49. So let's turn to the Isaiah 49 one for a moment. Isaiah 49. So here, here's, here's the reference to verse 13. Sing, O heavens, and be joyful, O earth, and break forth into singing, O mountains. For the Lord hath comforted His people and will have mercy upon His afflicted. Alright, that's, that's, the, that's the verse. You pull it off the page. You, you do your calligraphy. You put it on your refrigerator. Or you stitch it with your needlework. And you put it on your wall. You go, what a beautiful verse. And it is a beautiful verse. I'm sure it was selected because it says, Sing, O mountains. 
He's got a wonderful thought. The Lord has comforted His people, have mercy upon His afflicted. But I want to read the context for you right now. I'll start in verse... Um, Verse 8, let's just say it this way. Thus saith the Lord. By the way, Isaiah is a prophet who prophesies uh, during the dis- uh, leading up to the destruction of Judah. The time of great rebellion, the time of great uh, idolatry, a time of great hope in some ways under certain kings like Hezekiah. But overall, it's a very depressing time. It's a very cold time. It's, a very, it's, it's, a very, it's, it's, it's the, the, uh, the destruction of the glory that God had designed for His people. So Isaiah doesn't prophesy in a, in a wonderful, healthy, prosperous time at all. In fact, he'll prophesy of incredible, unthinkable destruction. But he also prophesies of comfort and peace and salvation and justification. We're not too far from Isaiah 53, are we? Where the one who is despised and rejected a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, no form, no comeliness, and yet he is the one who will stand as this exalted king as he by his own blood has, has healed the diseases and has, and has covered the wounds. By his chastisement, we receive healing. By his work, many shall be justified. He bears the, transgression, the transgressions of, the, of his people. So the hope is, is in another Listen to this. This is one of the hopeful spots. Verse 8, Thus saith the Lord, In an acceptable time have I heard thee. You hear that? God hears. And in the day of salvation have I helped thee. God saves. I will preserve thee. God keeps. And give thee for a covenant of the people. God is a covenant keeping God. He's talking about Jesus Christ here. Jesus Christ who will be the surety, the surety of God's promise to bring salvation to His people. Incredible. What's your, what's your down payment or what's your surety? I'll give you my son. How good is that? How comforting is that? To establish the earth, to cause to inherit the desolate heritages, that thou mayest say to the prisoners, Go forth to them that are in darkness, show yourselves. They shall feed in the ways, and their pastures shall be in all the high places. They shall not hunger nor thirst, neither shall the heat nor sun smite them. For he that hath mercy on them shall lead them, even by the springs of water shall he guide them. There's a God of mercy for sinners. There's a God of mercy for transgressors. People are being led out of prison, not because there's a prison break and there's going to be violence cover the land, but people are being led out of prisoners because there's a God of mercy who will turn their hearts and He will begin to lead them and feed them and change the way they think. Is that not your experience? They should not, um, verse, verse 11, And I will make all my mountains away. <laughs> Anybody here lacking direction? My highway shall be exalted. The mountain is a, a big obstacle, right? If, you're, if a mountain is a beautiful thing, as a, as a, as a, as a picture, uh, you know, picture on your wall, it's a beautiful thing to observe. But a mountain is a really hard thing to cross. And if you need to get to the other side of the mountain, and there's no road, it's really, really a hard thing to do, isn't it? God says, I will make all my mountains away. I will turn these obstacles into roads. 
and my highway shall be exalted. Behold, these shall come from far, and lo, these are from the north and the west and from the land of Sinem. Sing, O heavens, and be joyful, O earth, and break forth into singing, O mountains. For the Lord hath comforted His people and will have mercy upon His afflicted. What a scene. What a promise. Break into singing. And the next verse starts with but. But Zion said, The Lord hath forsaken me, and my Lord hath forgotten me. So the similar call from Psalm 95, come and sing, because the, king, the Lord is a king above all gods. Isaiah 49 really expands it, doesn't it? He is not just a king who owns everything. He's a king who's full of mercy. He's a king who's going to send his son as a surety of his promise to his people. He's a king who's going to make highways away and exalt, uh, mountains away and exalt his highways. He's going to be a king who's going to feed his people. He's going to be a king who's going to forgive their sins. He's going to have mercy upon them. And Zion says, I've got nothing to say. I've got no response. The Lord's forgotten me. You see, worship truly is a barometer of our souls, isn't it? By the way, here's the goodness of God. You would think the next verse would say, and so God backslapped them. God kicked them from one mountain to, from Arabia uh, to, to, to uh, the mountain in Washington, in Washington State. I mean, you can do that, right? You know what it says instead? We talked about this a few weeks ago. What does God do instead? God, God, listen to this, God reassures them. Can, remember we talked about women and, and, and relationships and nurturing? Can a woman forget her sucking child? That she should not have compassion on the son of her womb? Yeah, it can happen. Yeah, they, they may for, forget. Yet will I not forget thee. Again, he argues from the greatest the greatest relationship, the, the tightest bond in earth is this woman for her child. This is the greatest bond that you can grasp, that you can fathom. And he goes, but I go, I exceed that. I will not forget you because I have you, not just tattooed, but I have you graven. I have graven you onto the palm of my hands. Sometimes we do that, Right? Milk and butter, two gallons. <laughs> and we get to the store, we've been sweating. He goes, does that say four gallons? <laughs> does it say ice cream? I think it said ice cream. Um, <laughs> and, 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 we just, and, sometimes we, and then we, sometimes this is worse, this is me. We write it on our hands, we get to the store, and we don't look at our hands. <laughs> just forget the whole thing. Why am I in the store? God says, I, I've graven you. I've graven you on the palms of my hands. Thy walls, where you are, your borders, where you are, thy walls are continually before me. It's as if God's saying, you know, there's this, there's this movie that's playing, and that's not, the movie that's playing right in front of my face, and, and I don't get bored with it. It's not just, it's just, not, not just background noise. It's not just the, you know, the, the news in the background to see, maybe I look up and I see breaking news. No, no, no. You're, it's, it's all right before me all the time. He's a great king above all gods. And Zion says, I've got nothing to say. I've got no response. I, don't, I, don't, I can't sing right now. 
because you've forgotten me. See, worship is a barometer of our soul. I hope that stirs your, your heart even thinking that. But worship also is a barometer of the soul whose eye of faith can see Christ. Let me t- help you turn, let's turn together to one of the most remarkable verses in the Bible. It's found in Acts 16. You're, you're familiar with it. But maybe we need to stop again and just see how remarkable this verse is. It's Acts 16, 25. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises to God. Cool. I was hoping for something a little more sophisticated than that, something that more deep than that. Let's, let me read it again. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. So the point of the last phrase is, they weren't just barely, they weren't barely audible. This is, he wants you to see, they are singing. They're, they're letting loose. Now, friend, you can't let loose. Not really with a cold heart, can you? You can't let loose when there's, there's a lump in your throat that you can't catch. You can only let loose to where everybody hears. When you're filled with confidence and faith and trust in God. What a remarkable verse. You know why this is remarkable? Of course it's remarkable because, let me just read the, the verses before this. Um, they have, they're in Philippi. They've been preaching. They have been healing. They have been uh, curing or, or, or casting out demons from people. I think that would be a pretty good thing. And here's what happens. Verse 22, And the multitude... So you think, think mob, the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates rent off their clothes and commanded to beat them. So they've been humiliated by, the, by stripping of their clothes. They've been physically uh, assaulted, violently assaulted by this beating. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. Now, what I don't want to do this morning is I don't want to present Paul and Silas as superheroes. Sometimes we do that. They're not. They're, they're human beings. Paul talks much of the time about despairing of life. Uh, of times when, 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 when hope was nearly gone. Second Corinthians 4. I am cast down. I am in distress. Friends, this is human language, right? You must read this passage with and see the humanity in this passage, or it, means, it really means nothing. If you see the superhumanity, then, then it's, it's worthless to you as a person. But God, the point is to see that there's a king above all gods who is working in his, his people this incredible uh, thing called faith, and he does it through worship. He does it through praise. And so I'm going to just go on on an imagination tour for a minute. I don't know what they were singing, but that's my question. What in the world were they singing? What in the world could they possibly have been singing that could result in a song that lifts the roof, almost literally? Well, 
I don't know the answer to that. We know they were most likely singing psalms. That's what they did. They sang psalms. The, 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 the scriptures. They sang the words that God had ordained David mostly and other psalmists to, to write. Many of those who prophesied of Christ, but, 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 but more of those who just expressed the agony and the longings and the faith of the human heart. So I just want to walk through a few psalms with you that they might possibly have been singing. And just, let's note this. I don't think it was some sort of a magic you know, joy. I, I, I love getting beat. I really love getting stripped. And when I get my hands in stocks and I'm in prison, that is just my nirvana. That's the best of, best of life. I'm living my best life. Now, of course not. Of course not. Let's look at a few psalms they could have been singing. Maybe first they were singing Psalm 22. Let me just read this. Psalm 22. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me? And from the words of my roaring. Oh my God, I cry in the daytime, but thou hearest not. And in the night season... And am not silent. You see, these are actually very similar words to the words that Zion said in Isaiah 49. My God has forgotten me. My God doesn't see me. But do you see how these words are framed so differently? The experience feels the same in many ways, but the expression is so different. I'm taking this to God. Listen to this. I cry in the daytime, thou hearest not. I cry in the night season, and I am not silent, but thou art holy. O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel, our fathers trusted in thee. They trusted, thou didst deliver them. They cried to thee and were delivered. They trusted in thee and were not confounded. But I am a worm. And no man, by the way, this is a prophecy of Christ, a reproach of men and despise the people. All they that see me laugh me to scorn. They shoot out the lip, they shake the head saying, He trusted on the Lord that He would deliver him. Let him deliver him seeing He delighted in him. So maybe Paul and Silas are, are drawing from the experience of Jesus who, Jesus, who, who experienced this same sort of... Uh, in, in fact, they would say, Jesus, you experienced this to a degree we have experienced yet. We've just been beaten and they've been saying, you're fools, but Lord, you were there, and you experienced the, 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 the scoffing of those who thought they had won, they're laughing you that from his point of power, saying that he can't be delivered, but Lord, you were delivered, but thou art he that took me out of the womb. That is, make me hope when I was upon my mother's breast. I was cast upon thee from the womb, thou art my God from my mother's belly. Be not far from me, for trouble is near, for there is none to help. Many bulls have compassed me. Strong bulls of Bashan have beset me around. They gaped upon me with their mouths as a ravening and a roaring lion. I am poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted in the midst of my bowels. My strength is dried up like a potsherd and my tongue cleaveth to my jaws and thou hast brought me into the dust of death. For dogs have compassed me. The assembly of the wicked have enclosed me. They pierce my hands and my feet. I may tell all my bones they look and stare upon me. They part my garments among them and cast lots upon my vesture. But be not thou far from me, O Lord. O my strength, haste thee to help me. Deliver my soul from the sword, my darling from the power of the dog. 
Save me from the lion's mouth, for thou hast heard me from the horns of the unicorns. I will declare thy name unto my brethren. In the midst of the congregation will I praise thee. Ye that fear the Lord, praise Him. All ye that seen of Jacob, glorify Him. You would not expect, verse 24 or verse 23, to occur in this psalm, would you? Lord, they, they, have, they have obliterated me. They have, they've, they've opened my body up. They have tormented me. They have mocked me. And yet, Lord, we are trusting in You. Our fathers trusted in You. You did deliver them. Lord, it's something You've forgotten us. Oh, ye that fear the Lord, praise Him. You see the stirring of the soul occurring here? For he hath not despised or abhorred the affliction of the afflicted. Neither hath he hid his face from him. But when he cried unto him, he heard, My praise shall be of thee in the great congregation. I will pay my vows before them that fear him. The meek shall eat and be satisfied. They shall praise the Lord that seek him. Your heart shall live forever. All the ends of the world shall remember and turn to the Lord. <laughs> Again, we don't know this psalm they were singing. We don't know that at all. But, but imagine if it were. Lord, we're here because people hate you. They hate you so bad, they're willing to destroy another human being because of their hatred for you. But Lord, one day all the ends of the world shall remember you. All the kindreds of the nations shall worship before you. For the kingdom is the Lord's and He's a governor among the nations. All they that be fat upon the earth shall eat and worship. All that go down to the dust shall bow before Him and none can keep alive his own soul. A seed shall serve Him. It shall be accounted to the Lord for generation. They shall come and shall declare His righteousness unto a people that shall be born that He hath done this. Friends, there are elements of that psalm that are all over our hymn book, aren't there? Maybe, maybe as they were praying this prayer really of, Lord, help, we're in trouble, and their hearts were being stirred. Maybe next day they sang Psalm 70. Look at Psalm 70. Make haste, O God, to deliver me. Make haste to help me, O Lord. Let them be ashamed and confounded that seek after my soul. Let them be turned backward and put to confusion that desire my hurt. Let them be turned back for a reward of their shame that say, Aha, aha. Let all those that seek thee rejoice and be glad in thee. And let such as love thy salvation say continually, Let God be magnified. But I am poor and needy. Make haste unto me, O God. Thou art my help and my deliverer. O Lord, make no tarrying. Lord, I need Your help now. Let my, but Lord, as I'm needing Your help, let me say, let You, let Your name, let God be magnified. Maybe next they sing Psalm 91. This is a common psalm that was, that was sung. Imagine again, you are, have just been beaten. You are in stocks. It's midnight. You don't know what awaits you the next day except it's only more bad. But then you think of, think of this. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. 
Friends, Paul, this, Paul preached the sovereignty of God. In fact, you might remember in Philippians, two, Philippians chapter 1, Paul's in prison in a different, different time. And Paul's in prison. He goes, listen, he goes, I know, I know this. I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. And how can Paul know that? How can Paul know that? Because Paul's confidence that he, that, he, that, he, that he shared over and over and over again is that God is the one who's really in charge of this universe. See, we say Philippians 1 6, being confident of this very thing, that he who had begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. And a Philippian jail is not going to stop that. It's not. A man in prison is not going to stop that. A beheading is not going to stop this. There's nothing that's going to stop this promise of God and this promise of the King who rules over all to present me faultless before the presence of His glory with exceeding joy. So He could say near His death, I know, I know this, I know whom I have believed. Not just facts, I know Him, I know whom I have believed and I am persuaded, I'm convinced, I'm ready to go to my death. I'm persuaded that He is able to keep He's able to preserve, he's able to keep, he's able to guard. He's able to keep that which I've committed to him against that great day. Can you say that? Friend, maybe the reason that you can't say that with the same confidence right now is that you haven't been stirring your soul to worship. So you can say here in, uh, in Psalm 91, yes, I am in prison. But you know where else I am? I am in the secret place of the Most High. God's allowed this. Wicked men have intended this for my, for my evil. But, but God's the one who reigns. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide. I will not leave this. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide. In other words, he's not going to slip. Shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Let me tell you something. This is a truth that is not a, uh, it's not a dependent truth on how we experience it. It's just true. If you are in God's hands, you're going to abide in God's hands. I'll never forget. I mean, all of us loved and admired Sister Patty Machiavella, my grandmother. We all admired her. But I'll never forget, uh, this is not when she died, this is several years before she died, that she spent a number of days in the hospital. I think it was like two weeks or something like that. And, and, uh, and I went to visit her. And, and she wanted to talk to me, and she was extremely, extremely depressed. And she just said, listen, I am worried. She said, I cannot pray. And I cannot feel God's presence. I just, I, I, and it scares me. It scares me to know that I just, I can't pray. And, and, and I said, Grandma, I'm just going to tell you one thing. It's a verse out of Deuteronomy. It says, the eternal God is thy refuge. And underneath are the everlasting arms. So, so, so know this. Know this. Your refuge is, is not whether you can feel God's presence. It's a fact. It's there. The eternal God, He is your refuge. But, Grandmama, if you could fall out of that refuge, here's what would happen. If you could fall out of the refuge, what would happen is you falling is that you would fall right into the everlasting arms. So, so wherever you are, whatever happens, if you felt you're falling out right now, if you're going to fall, you're going to fall into the arms of God. 
Now, I don't know if that was, it was certainly magical. I don't know if that was helpful or not. But, it, but, 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 but it's, it's helpful. It's true, right? He that abides, I mean, he that, he that lives here is going to abide there. I also, therefore, I will say of the Lord, He's my refuge, He's my fortress, He's my God, in Him will I trust. Surely He shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowl. Again, imagine, this is the song you're singing as you're in prison and you can't move your hands or your feet. He shall cover thee with His feathers and under His wings shalt thou trust. This truth shall be thy shield and buckler. You hear that? This is the truth that's going to be your shield. He's covering you. He's delivering you. This is going to be your shield. This is going to buckle you for the task that you have. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. A thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand at thy right hand, for it shall not come nigh thee. Only with thine eyes shalt thou behold and see the reward of the wicked. Because, here's why, because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the most high thy habitation. You see, worship, worship is not a drive-by. You, you can't do a drive-by to experience this, friends. You can't drive through church and go, you know what? I want a Big Mac with cheese, but really I'm just hungry. So if you give me a quarter pounder and I leave there, you know, bad service, it's all right. Whatever, I just need to eat. It doesn't work that way. It just doesn't. And yet I'm afraid that that many of us, the reason our hearts are cold, the reason we sort of go on automatic here at times, it's because we're, we're looking to, to make God our, our, our drive-by place. Just give me a little pep for the week. And I'm going to get back to regularly scheduled programming. He's our habitation. There shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over thee. Think about that, Paul. It's true. Paul, right now, God's angels are in charge over you. He couldn't see it, but was it true? We're going to see it in a minute. It was true. They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. And I'll, uh, verse, verse, verse 16, 15 says, He shall call upon me, I will answer him, I will meet him in trouble, I will deliver him and honor him. Again, these are sentiments we sing all the time in our hymn book. Right? Let's do one more, well, let's do a couple more Psalms. 93. Maybe this is the next one. The Lord reigneth. He is... Clothed with majesty. The Lord is clothed with strength. Wherewith he hath girded himself. The world also is established that it cannot be moved. Thy throne is established of old. Thou art from everlasting. The floods have lifted up, O Lord. The floods have lifted up their voice. The floods lift up their, their, their waves. The Lord on high is mightier than the noise of many waters. Yea, uh, there the mighty waves of the sea, than the mighty waves of the sea. Thy testimonies are very sure. Holiness becometh thine house, O Lord, forever. What a preposterous thing to sing in a prison, right? Preposterous. Again, we don't know this really, but we've seen something like this. It's a preposterous idea, oftentimes, for us to sing songs like 160. Turn to 160. 
What if Paul and Silas were singing verse 3, In vain the noisy crowd like billows fierce and loud against thine empire rage and roar. In vain with angry spite the surly nations fight and dash like waves against the shore. Can you imagine what those prisoners must have thought if they were singing those words? You idiots. You morons. Are you kidding me? You are in stocks. It's not in vain. You're the one who is in vain. They have you right where they want you. They're the ones that are in charge They're singing by faith, aren't they? Last one, Psalm 2. Maybe they were singing Psalm 2. This is another commonly sung psalm of the early church. Why do the heathen rage? And the people imagine a vain thing. The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against His anointed saying, Let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision. Then shall He speak unto them in His wrath and vex them in His sore displeasure. Yet have I set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. I will declare the decree the Lord hath said unto me, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. Ask of me, and I shall give thee the heathen for thine inheritance, and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. Thou shalt break them with a rod of iron, thou shalt dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Be wise now therefore, O ye kings. Be instructed, ye judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son, lest He be angry and you perish from the way when His wrath is kindled like a little, but a little. Blessed are all they that trust in Him. And maybe we're getting a little bit ridiculous here, but I can just imagine that as Paul as Paul's and Silas sing, I think Paul was probably a bass and Silas was a tenor, they sing, kiss the Son, lest He be angry. And they probably, it was probably a repeating chorus. Kiss the Son. And the third time the Son wasn't kissed, <laughs> I think that earthquake hit. Now, that's, that's completely ridiculous, right? Something like that happened. As they were singing, as they're singing praises unto God, God, the real God, the God who reigns, the God who's, who's clothed with majesty, He breaks forth from heaven onto that prison. And He breaks the prison doors open. And He breaks the walls. And He breaks their bands. But friend, that song didn't happen after that happened. That song happened before it happened. Okay? Same thing happens in 2 Chronicles 20. I'm going to turn there right now. We're going to close right now. But 2 Chronicles 20, another crisis. The Ammonites and others are coming against, Israel, against Judah. Jehoshaphat's the king. You know the story. One person, it says. can't remember his name. Maybe verse 12, somewhere around there. But, it, but, but one person, it says the Spirit of God entered into this one person. It wasn't a prophet, just a person. And in the midst of the congregation, he began to call out to the congregation to praise the Lord and to trust the Lord. And then what happened was is that as they, it says, as they began to sing and praise the Lord, God set the ambushments against the Moabites. And one more time, God's people received salvation and victory. Jonathan Lehman says this, 
He says singing is so powerful because it engages our emotions and affections with God's Word. You see, we need more than just, we believe it, we're going to force ourselves. He said, no, no, singing engages the emotions and the affections to God's Word. Isn't that true? Isn't it amazing how God is able to take singing and write it into your heart, your very fiber? We said this many times, it's so easy to memorize a song. It's so hard to memorize your, your, your time tables, right kids? But it's so easy to remember a song. It's been demonstrated many times with folks with dementia. Where everything is forgotten, but the song has been engraved upon their heart. Because God has used it to engage the emotions. Listen to this. The sounds of music both evoke and provoke the heart's joys, griefs, Longings, hopes, and sorrows. Singing is the medium by which God's people grab hold of His Word. And align their emotions and affections to God. One more quote. This is my favorite one. Far better... And the sweet harmonies of a few trained singers is the rough and hale or hearty sound of pardoned criminals delighting with one voice in their Savior. You see, the reason that, that, that Paul and Silas were able to sing was because God had written a new song into their heart. It's a song the angels longed to look into, the Bible says. The song the prophets have been searched and inquired diligently about. It's a song, though, that if God has shown you Jesus Christ, you're able to sing. It's called the song of redemption. It's a song that, uh, that uh, Revelation 5 records being heralded out of every kindred and nation and tongue and people. It's a song of redemption. It's a song of one who's been bought by a precious price. It's a song of one who's been freed from incredible bondage. It's a song of one who's been set at liberty to go and live in a way that is free and and full of life and produce and fruitfulness. It's a song of redemption. Friends, God is worthy to be praised just from Psalm 95. He's worthy because He's the King above all gods. But friends, God is especially worthy of your praise because He has sent His Son the best that He has. He sent His Son. You know the story already, don't you? But God sent His Son not because you were so lovely. But God sent His Son because of His great love for us, bound up in His Son, Jesus Christ. That you might receive redemption, forgiveness, justification, and adoption, and wisdom, and hope, and an inheritance that's incorruptible and imperishable and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. You receive the promise of God's presence with you throughout life to mold you and to shape you and to guide you, to make mountains away for you, to exalt His hills, His highways for you. You receive God's comfort and His promise. And his inher- what else could you want? Right? And I'll say that in an ugly way. But really, what else could you ask? So may the song of redemption be the song that stirs your hearts to stir the hearts of others.
There's a, both a listening aspect. There's a, a, a speaking and a listening aspect to this whole thing, isn't there? I, I can't tell you how many, how many times I've listened to song number 274, which is Dark and Thorny as the Desert, and verses 2 and 3. Oh, young soldier, are you weary of the struggle on the way? Does your strength begin to fail you and your, uh, and your vigor to decay? Jesus, again, I can't quote these things. I could sing it probably. Isn't that amazing too? Um, Jesus, Jesus will go with you. He will lead you to his throne. He who dyed his garments for you and the winepress trod alone. He whose thunder shakes creation. He who bids the planets roll. He who rides upon the tempest and whose scepter sways the whole. Round him are 10,000 angels ready to obey command. They are always hovering around you till you reach the heaven. I can't tell you how many times I just sat and listened to verse 2. Yeah, I can identify with them. Weary. Really? Jesus has 10,000 angels hovering around me? Really? His scepter rules over all? And then, and then full-heartedly be able to sing the rest of the song? It, it, it's, it's, it's a listening. It's a hearing from somebody else who says, Listen, this is what I believe. Now, will you hear this from my voice? Sung full-heartedly and full-throatedly, hopefully. May God bless us to be people of praise. Praise and song. The song that is rough but hearty. The song of pardoned criminals. The song of saints. The song of Moses and the Lamb. The song that tells of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the message today is... Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for showing us your glory through your Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for giving us a way to respond to that. Thank you for how you stir our souls and help us to stir other souls. This is the way that we, we unify, Lord. We're, we're unified around one theme, and it's the theme of Jesus Christ, Him crucified, raised, victorious, and coming. We rejoice to sing these hymns in Jesus' name. Amen.